In this episode of Full Stack Radio, David Hemphill and I introduce the new SaaS apps that each of us are working on, Crondog and KiteTail. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 61. Hey everyone, welcome to Full Stack Radio, episode 61. And uh, from here on out, we're actually going to try and do things a little bit differently on the podcast. So the podcast first started, I think it was like October or November 2014. So almost two and a half years ago now. And for the last two and a half years, the whole podcast has been like an interview format. So I've had tons of different people on talking about all different aspects of web development, like testing or building stuff on the front end or even business topics or, you know, system administration, all sorts of different stuff. And uh, from here on out, what we want to try and do is uh, use some of those ideas and apply them to actually sort of building an app. So I'm working on a new app, and uh, David Hempel, who I brought on the show today, is also working on a new app. So what we want to try is uh, making this sort of like a season two of Full Stack Radio, where me and David are going to be kind of the recurring co-hosts of the show, and you can kind of follow along with us in our progress as we're building out these new apps and talking about all the different technical challenges that we're facing and any interesting solutions that we come up with to different problems. Yeah, so hopefully it'll be a, a pretty interesting and informative sort of way for us to document this stuff and uh, share it with everyone who's listening. So, uh, David, you were on the show at least once, probably a year and a half ago or something like that. So welcome back to the show, man. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me back. So I guess uh, for anyone who you know isn't familiar with you, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that you've built in the past and maybe introduce the thing uh, that you've started on recently that we're going to be talking about on this show. Sure. So yeah, my name is David Hempill. I'm, I consider myself a full stack developer. Started off mostly doing product design and then built a skill set in development later on. The things I've kind of worked on in the past is one product called Push Silver, which is an invoicing solution that's really, really simple. I've built a few other apps for kind of like enterprise-y, nonprofit type clients, uh, one of them being a thing called Donor Give, which is like a CRM accounting tool. The most recent thing I've been working on is a product called Crondog, which is basically it's an app that allows you to offload all of the complexity of dealing with recurring application tasks. Essentially, you create a schedule that contains a, a webhook URL and a, a data payload, stuff like the time zone, the kind of method that you want to send, like a get or a post request. And then it, Crondog will send a request to that URL at the right time. Awesome. Yeah, you've talked about this with me uh, you know, quite a bit, but I don't really have like a full understanding of the app like you do. So what I would be interested in hearing, and I think everybody else would be interested in hearing too, is kind of where the idea came from. Because I know you told me um, that this sort of spawned out of some complex recurring task stuff that you had to build uh, for Push Silver. And you kind of figured, well, man, I never want to have to build this again. How can I kind of turn this into something that I can use for, for anything else that I'm working on? So what's kind of the story there? What were you trying to use it for in Push Silver? Uh, actually, I've done this three or four different times with different apps. I've had one app that I was building a, like a daily digest for all of the teams in the app. So we'll collect all of the data for the day and send everybody uh, a digest via email at the end of the day. And that kind of had to happen on a recurring basis. Then I, that previous product, DonorGive, is all about recurring donations. So 
had to build like one time, twice monthly, bi-monthly, yearly donation logic, that sort of thing. And then PushSilver just recently launched recurring invoices, which allows you to create an invoice that can be sent out monthly at a certain time. And so on each of those apps, I basically built the recurring logic three different times in three different ways as I grew as a developer. And then I realized after launching PushSilver's recurring invoices that I was doing it all three of those completely wrong, (laughs) that there was a much simpler solution. And had I known it, it would have made my life a ton easier. Cool. Yeah. So I think uh, something that probably people think about when it comes to this sort of like cron job stuff is, okay, I have to do something that just like does something once a month or whatever. Um, I think it's like easy to underestimate the complexity of even like that simple use case. So what are some of the pains maybe that cron dog is aiming to solve that people might not even know they have, which is kind of where I think it slots in nicely. Yeah, there's... You can kind of think of it like a recurring push queue. If you know of uh, Iron.io, they have push queues instead of pull queues. A pull queue would be more like a traditional queue where you throw it on and then the queue workers pull the jobs off and handle them. But they also have this thing called push queues where they push basically to a webhook URL with a data payload and you handle it. But that's a one-time queuing job. This one is recurring, and so you can kind of set the schedule, and then make it'll make sure that it happens. You know, every two weeks, or you know, even every minute if you wanted it to happen. So, um, how is it like intended to be used? So, is it going to be like an app where you log in, um, you know, you create different tasks um, and specify what endpoints they go to, or? Do you think it's going to be primarily like API driven where someone's app is going to like be sending messages to Crondog to create new recurring tasks or how do you kind of envision it being used? I think there's definitely a use case for both, uh, but the primary one I had in mind was via API. So it, it offers an API where you can create a schedule programmatically and then have it handled when the time comes. But you can definitely go into the dashboard and create one through the little interface if you just wanted to use it for simpler use cases, like creating a heartbeat health check, you know, sort of notification system, or having it trigger one cron job that you have on your app that you don't want to do via the command line for some reason. Or if you're on like shared host, you can use this for cron jobs if you don't have access to cron there. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Can you think of um, like examples of you know, situations someone might use it that are going to be really difficult to do yourself. Like some of the ones that like come to mind for me are like things like semi-monthly or something, you know what I mean? Where you want to send it on like the first and the 15th of every month or, or anything that kind of like involves time periods that are not always the same, right? Like monthly is obviously like another difficult one. It's not like you can just delay it for however many seconds or in a month because every month is different and you got to deal with leap years and and all this other crazy stuff. So what sort of like uh, use cases, I guess, do you see people um, using it for? Like, can you think of any apps that you know of other people working on that like where you think they could use a tool like this for something that they need? Yeah, definitely. All of the use cases I've had were were good uh, candidates for Cron Dog. So processing recurring payments, you know, if you wanted to create a monthly schedule for that, that's pretty simple to do. You can do it any day of the month. And then it'll, it'll intelligently handle things like the end of the month eventually. I haven't got there yet. Right now, we just limit it to the 1st through the 28th to avoid all of the complexity with dealing with months that end, you know, on the 30th or the 31st. Yeah. But eventually, 
it's not a big feature to do to make it handle all of that, the, the proper end of the month, but we're just haven't got it done. But you can use it also to create things like a, a daily team digest, like I talked about for that, that one app. You could have it schedule reminders for app to do. So if you have a, a to-do list app and you say, I want to be notified this three different times, you could create a schedule that would notify you those three different times. And what it offers you that way is is the ability to kind of handle the the task yourself without having to deal with like kind of the scheduling complexity. So like there's time zones involved in a lot of apps. Um, you have to deal with logging, like email notifications or an SMS notification if something fails or goes wrong. Or even like just having one place to handle all this for a bunch of apps is something that I was definitely considering when building it. So you can create teams or you could think of them kind of like projects for different apps that you want to you want to handle recurring scheduling. Yeah. One of the things that I think sounds cool to me is just like how simple it would make it to do things that are kind of dynamic, like based on how someone's using the app. Like maybe you have like some notification preferences or something where it's like, you know, this person wants to receive a daily email. This person wants to receive a weekly email. And instead of having to like build some elegant way of handling that, it's just a matter of kind of updating that task in cron dog and just saying, Hey, this person wants to receive this every day at 5 PM in their time zone. It's like real declarative. Like you don't ever have to think about the details of that. You just kind of push that off and then have some endpoint set up waiting for that stuff to come in, which I think is a really pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Basically I've, this product came because I was trying to get more sleep at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. all of the, there was a bunch of times during uh, the building, building of donor give that I was just like worried that I was doing it correctly. Cause I kind of, some of the back end stuff I was using like polymorphic relations for the different types of donations that you could make and storing that configuration in MySQL was kind of a crazy and laborious thing. And then getting it tested presented a bunch of other challenges. And so it was after creating a few of those apps that I realized like the, the most simple way to do recurring scheduling was to use cron, but I knew that cron was basically, it wasn't very dynamic. So you couldn't store dynamic cron jobs if that makes sense yeah so like in in laravel you have like your scheduler that you can just plop in your each of your schedules but there's no way to like programmatically keep adding them as you grow customers and they have different notification preferences or or whatever the use case is and so i wanted to build a tool that kind of helped that one thing i think is nice about um that approach by sort of splitting it out into like a separate like dedicated service it kind of lets you really focus in on like what it is that you're trying to do and kind of free your mind of any of the other, you know, domain related concerns of the app. Cause I could see how it could be really easy to like co-mingle a lot of this stuff. If you're building it into an app, like you might have a lot of this logic baked into different classes that also do other things just because that seemed like the cleanest or most natural way to do it at the time. But by splitting it out into like a whole separate service, you just don't have any of that happening. Like everything is focused on like this one job, which makes it kind of nice to work on, I would expect. Yeah. So you could say like slash donations is the URL that you want to hit with each schedule. And you could pass a, a data payload of the user ID or the, the donation ID. And then you can basically just run the donation instead of having to do date checks or time zone checks and make sure that your server is configured correctly for time zones all of that kind of stuff. You just handle it when it happens. And yeah. so it's one sort of, I don't know if atomic's the right word, but one atomic event in your in your system. It's like if that 
payload shows up, you can definitively, no questions asked, do the work that you think should happen. Like there's no, oh, well, if, you know, it's the third of the month, we actually don't want to do the work related to this payload because that's Crondog's job to handle that sort of logic, right? So if the webhook comes, you're good to go. Like you can do the work. So it simplifies a lot of your consuming code too. Yep, exactly. So when did you start working on it? Um, What is kind of the tech stack that's involved? How far along kind of are you? Like what are you kind of working on right now? So I worked on it. I guess the initial push was two months ago. Now I'm checking. So I guess the beginning of January. Yeah. It's actually been pretty quick. I've been building it on top of Laravel Spark. And so I got a lot of the, a lot of stuff for free. You know, the JavaScript application scaffolding was kind of all, all thought through. The billing, the team billing, a lot of the sign up and login, all of that basic stuff that you have to deal with was kind of handled already. And I, I really wanted to sort of like lean into the conventions that it provides uh, instead of like push silver, I, can, I built all of the billing and password management, all of that stuff myself. And that was kind of took a long time to do. Yeah. Um, and so with something like Spark, you know, there's trade-offs, but most of them weren't big enough to, to warrant building my own system. So it allowed me to, to focus on getting to the application code itself, like the actual domain. And so it's been about two months. I've been working on it on and off. I had kind of a crazy few weeks. So, you know, there's times where I'm not working on it even a single week in there. But uh, as far as the other stack, it's it's pretty boring. It's PHP and MySQL. Yeah, so what uh, what are you working on with it right now? Like what's kind of keeping you busy on it or what's the next thing that you're, you're kind of looking to tackle? There's a few app things that I want to kind of handle. Some of that time zone stuff, I want to make it a little nicer in the interface and in the API. But then it's a lot of kind of the stuff that, developers tend not to be great at like marketing and building out marketing pages, writing copy, you know, putting finishing touches on that sort of thing. Uh, you know, kind of building the brand around the product. Yeah. I'm trying not to do too much, but I want it to have at least a little bit of that polish. So what are kind of your plans, I guess, in terms of, um, like launch and stuff, like how far along is it versus where you kind of want it to be before you start having people sign up and stuff like that? Well, I had a friend uh, find the actual live URL because the app is, you know, live if you know the URL using like test tokens for Stripe and that sort of thing. Uh, he actually signed up and start, is using it for one of his production apps. So he's kind of like my first beta tester on accident. But it's, it's, it's pretty close. I feel like I could launch it in a couple of weeks and feel good about it. The, the main goal, I guess, would be to keep it from showing up on product hunt before it's ready. That's the worst thing. And that's always kind of the fear, right? Like there's this whole mentality of how, you know, you want to ship as early as possible and that you should be embarrassed by the first thing that you ship. Otherwise you didn't ship soon enough. But now there's this whole sort of like community that exists around these sort of like product launches and stuff online. That's a lot louder than it used to be. Thanks to things like product hunt. And, uh, you know, if you tweet something out saying, Hey, my app is in beta, you know, anyone who's interested in trying it out, let me know with a URL there. You never know if someone's going to push that up somewhere where you're not really ready to get those eyeballs on it yet, where you don't feel like you're making the best first impression. Yeah, definitely. That's It happened with Push Silver, so I never really got to launch it uh, on Product Hunt properly. You know, be, of course, I don't let you repost it unless something is like significantly different about the app. Yeah. I see people get away with like a 
they almost like launch features on product hunt like like when bear metrics added like support for recurly and stuff they get that sort of thing on product hunt and make it seem like another launch so i think mm-hmm. maybe if you're if you're clever you can figure out ways to uh to get things on there multiple times or at least use it as a channel for announcing new significant features and stuff but yeah yeah i need to try that with uh, push silver if i launch something new yeah for sure just wanted to take a minute to thank hired for sponsoring full stack radio so searching for a new job can feel stressful scary time consuming you know you got pushy recruiters trying to sell you on roles that you don't want or job boards that make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again as sometimes you go through the whole interview process only to find out at the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for so hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. The goal of Hired is to make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. So instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. So you just fill out one simple application and then top employers apply to hire you. So over a four-week time frame, you'll receive personalized interview requests with upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about which opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big companies like Facebook, as well as smaller emerging startups. And the size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. So right now, Hired can help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. And they keep all your information totally private, so there's no way that your current employer or past employer can see that you're looking for a new job. The best part about Hired is that it's completely free to you as the person who's looking to get hired. In fact, Hired will actually pay you a $1,000 hiring bonus if you take a job that was offered to you through Hired. And for Full Stack Radio listeners, they're actually doubling that offer to $2,000. So if you're a Full Stack Radio listener who's looking for a new opportunity, you can use Hired to look for a new job. And if you take one through Hired, you'll get $2,000. So if you're interested in more details about that, you can head over to www.hired.com slash fullstackradio to find out more. Thanks to Hired for sponsoring the podcast. Back to the show. We've talked a lot about what I've been working on. What do you got cooking up over there? Uh, yeah, so I have been working on a project for the last uh, couple months. The idea is that it's basically like hosted checkout forms, like a checkout as a service sort of tool, sort of built uh, with developers in mind. So uh, the way that it works is, you know, you go log into the site, you create a product. Uh, in my case, you know, the example would be like my test-driven Laravel course. So I might log into uh, the app, which is called KiteTail, and I would create test-driven Laravel as a product in the app, uh, upload like a banner image uh, to go on the form and like a short description and set the price and any sort of configuration options that I need to set, as well as specifying like a webhook endpoint that should be hit whenever someone actually purchases the product. So once I've gone through and set that up uh, and saved the product, I can get a public URL to the checkout page for that product. And then I can sort of link to that from anywhere where I want to be able to sell this thing. So for example, with the course, I might have the call to action on my landing page that has like buy the course or whatever. I would just link that over to this hosted checkout form on KiteTail. So you'd click that, you'd get redirected over to the KiteTail checkout page. Uh, You'd go through all the process of purchasing the course and it would handle, you know, any validation errors and any of that sort of complex stuff. And then once the sale has actually been completed successfully and the person's been charged, it's going to make a webhook request 
back to whatever endpoint I specified, which in my case is going to be some other endpoint in my course app. Uh, and that's going to be listening for any of these new sales. And then it's going to go ahead and, you know, fulfill that purchase however it needs to. So in my case, that would involve uh, sending an email to the customer saying, you know, here's your link to get access to the course. Uh, and also returning a URL back to KiteTail that says this is where you should redirect the customer now that the purchase has gone through successfully. So it's kind of neat in the sense that you can have like dynamically generated unique redirect URLs for each customer. It's not just like a static thing. So it's like a blocking flow where someone will pay and then the webhook happens in the background while the customer is still on the checkout page. And then once that's complete, they get redirected to, you know, whatever page I want. It could be a static thank you page. It could be a specific page with a specific token in the URL for them to get access to whatever it is. It could be a page to download whatever it was that they paid for, you know, anything like that. So yeah, the idea is just to make like a hosted sort of webhook driven checkout as a service platform, kind of trying to solve the same sorts of problems that Crondog is solving in terms of just offloading, you know, the complexity of some piece of your application that isn't really specific to the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say, you know, makes it better than something that already exists, like Stripe Checkout or, you know, going through the PayPal flow? Yeah, um, I think the there's a bunch of features that I want to add to it that are going to make it more interesting than Stripe Checkout or more useful than Stripe Checkout. But I think the main difference... Um, features aside is more about how you integrate with it. So with Stripe Checkout, you know, which is a great tool, and that's what I currently use on my course site, you embed some JavaScript on your site, you have the person go through this modal that Stripe throws up, and they give you back a token, but then you have to still handle all that stuff on your own server. So you have to send the token back to your server, uh, send that token off to Stripe, catch about eight different errors that Stripe could possibly throw from their API, you know, different things related to the card getting declined or network request errors, all sorts of kind of things that you have to worry about to make sure things go smoothly. And then if things don't go smoothly, you have to figure out what to return back to the user, right? Some sort of error page saying, oh, you know, your card was declined, even though it made it through Stripe checkout validation. There's just all sorts of like things you have to worry about that could go wrong. And I found PayPal was actually even worse for that when I was trying to implement it. I just had like no confidence that I had really made sure I handled uh, every possible edge case. So the idea with KiteTail is to offload all of that stuff to this other app. So you never have to think about what to do when something goes wrong because you'll never even hear about things that go wrong. The only time that your app will ever get notified is when a sale actually is done and completed and successful. So you only really have to worry about the happy path. So you just fulfill the purchase and trust that KiteTail took care of any validation stuff, uh, any declined cards, you know, any of that sort of stuff is totally offloaded. So I think that's sort of the main difference uh, versus integrating Stripe directly where you have to kind of manage it uh, on your own server. Yeah. So what would you say is your motivation, you know, for making it? It seems like there's a lot of other solutions that kind of handle similar cases like Gumroad or basically what problem is this solving that isn't already solved by those or, you know, kind of your motivation? So Gumroad used to have a feature similar to what I'm trying to do here. Uh, but they kind of quietly deprecated it, even though they still have the documentation up for it and stuff. That whole app feels like not really maintained anymore. I know they laid off a bunch of people. I feel like only one or two people even still work there. 
There's no blog posts. Mm. Their iOS app hasn't worked since last June. There's just like, I don't know. I just like don't trust a lot of stuff to, you know, be used there. And of course, like they just don't support what I needed to do for, um, for my course app with this sort of webhook uh, driven thing. But I guess my main kind of motivation for building it was just thinking, what is the perfect world scenario when I'm building this course? Like I'm wasting all this time trying to perfect this payment thing, stressing about uh, making sure I'm handling all the error situations that I need to handle. And then even on top of that, there's all these features I didn't get around to adding uh, right away that I you know, have needed to add over time uh, because of the fact that I was just trying to get it out the door and get back to focusing on building out the course app. So for example, that would be things like having good support for coupons if I need to give someone a coupon for whatever reason to give them some percentage off for whatever reason or another problem that I've run into lately is that with Stripe Checkout and even with Gumroad or any of these other services I've looked at it's really difficult to properly account for things like sales tax so I need to charge sales tax to other Canadians based on where they live and uh, none of the tools you know that I've looked at so far have let me do that so even if I wanted to just keep using Stripe, I'd have to build a whole custom form just to properly figure that information out and charge the customer. So I thought, you know, if I'm going to have to go and build this whole custom form anyways to support that stuff, I don't ever want to have to do that more than once. Is there any way that I can just like build the perfect checkout flow and just put that somewhere else and then have my app only worry about, you know, what to do when a sale actually happens. So that's what kind of led me down this path. I guess the other nice thing is like, uh, using something like Stripe Checkout, you know, I can only take credit cards that way. Uh, so my solutions for PayPal have been sort of janky so far, like either taking payments manually and sending people invoices. Uh, if I can build this platform that kind of is designed just for this checkout stuff, it's easy for me to sort of add new stuff into that and get those benefits automatically uh, in my course app. So I can add PayPal support to KiteTail to let people pay with PayPal and never change anything in my course. My course doesn't know that I'm using Stripe or doesn't know that I'm using PayPal. It just knows that it gets sales and they can come from from anywhere. So it kind of lets me work on that sort of thing independently. It also gives me like a nice place to do any sort of uh, reporting or analytics and kind of be able to justify doing a really nice job on some of that stuff. Uh, some of the other things that I, I've always needed are like custom invoices for people who are business customers so like people from europe always need to get their vat number added to their invoices so i was doing all that manually originally and it'd be nice to just be able to say hey once you purchase the thing here's a link to go generate a custom invoice that you can add any special information to so yeah it just kind of like uh, lets me justify adding all these sort of nice to have features that i wish i could have because it puts it in a reusable place you know very similar to what you know you're talking about with uh with your app so yeah so I'm trying to think, you know, there's, you've got your situation where you've kind of got a book that you want to move over, right? You want to move to Kitel, or is it just your course that you want to move over? Yeah, the course would be the first thing that I want to move over because that has like a really custom sort of fulfillment flow. It's not just like the book is just you pay and then you download, right? Which is sort of like oh, yeah. a more standard scenario. But with the course, I have to uh, create someone an account in the course. I have to add them as a collaborator on the GitHub repository, you know, all sorts of just different things that have to fire off and happen uh, for someone to have access to everything. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I know like several other people that are kind of in that situation where they have courses and they've built their own platforms, you know, for the, the flexibility purpose. Can you see like other situations where like I can think of like a marketer that has an ebook or, or scheduled consulting kind of as a productized service 
Can you see any other sort of situations where kite tail would be useful for those people? Yeah, that's kind of like been one of my big challenges is trying to brainstorm as many different sort of places where it'd be useful. And I've come up with like a couple. You know, the first one, of course, is like we were just talking about, like my specific use case. I'm building this course. I want to be able to take payments. But it's basically a custom app. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I also have like a bunch of other friends who have courses too, right? So like Chris Fidow just launched his shipping Docker course where he's basically in the same situation as me. He built it as like a his own app so he can really control the experience. And he had to do the same thing with, regarding building his own checkout stuff. Or like uh, Jason McCreary, who I've had on the podcast before, has like a course that he released a little while ago on Git where, you know, same situation for him. But there's only a so many programmers creating courses where they're making their own apps, right? So trying to figure out other situations they'd be useful in. Uh, one of the more interesting ones that I, I kind of landed on was uh, I was talking to Taylor uh, who created Laravel and he has that Spark product, which is like the Laravel kind of starter kit if you're building like a SaaS app. And he has his own whole checkout thing built for that. But he could totally use Kitetail for that too, because again, he has to do a bunch of sort of uh, specific custom things to fulfill that purchase. Like again, he has to give you access to the repository so you can pull and push code from there. Um, I'm sure he probably does some things with license keys or you know who knows what, but he could totally use Kitetail to handle the whole checkout thing. Just link someone on the Kitetail page, they pay for it, and then he gets a webhook back and he does whatever he needs to do to give them access to download Spark and get updates and all that sort of thing. So I thought his use case was interesting because it's not a course, but it would totally be useful there. I also think it could work for even stuff where there's almost no automated fulfillment. Like if you're someone who does like uh, consulting and has like a productized service for your consulting, like an example would be, um, do you know who Jane Portman is? Have you seen her online at all? I don't think so. She has this like uh, she has a book called the UI audit and she does a bunch of like productized consulting services for a fixed fee. She'll like go through some specific feature in your app and sort of give you suggestions on how you can improve it and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing could just be a product in Kitetail. You could link someone to that product page from your, you know, your personal site where you're offering these services. And when someone pays for it, Kitetail send you sort of an email notification and you can then just follow up with that person manually to like schedule a time uh, to go through it or whatever. So kind of just like lowers the the friction towards getting someone to pay for like a productized service like that. And instead of having to talk to you and then you send them a PayPal invoice or whatever, they can just do it right away. Maybe you're hosting like a live workshop or something in like uh, a private Google Hangout or something and you want to be able to charge people for that. You know, that could be a, a product page on Kitesail or... Um, my uh, my buddy Steve, Steve Shoger, who does like custom icon design for people, he could use it for his like productized service. You know, you need four custom icons designed for your landing page. He can just link you to a Kitetail thing to pay for it right away and then follow up with you after you've already paid, which is kind of cool. I'd even like to look into expanding it into um, some more tailored solutions, like not just webhook fulfillment necessarily. Because like you said, like I do have my book and it would be cool to pull my book over so I can sort of have everything in one place. Uh, but it would be sort of silly for me to build out, you know, a whole app just for people to download the book or whatever. So it'd be cool if I could use Kitetail to 
have like first class digital products for downloadable stuff even you know what i mean that's probably a ways down the road i think i really want to focus on the web hook and custom thing first but that's sort of where where i'm looking at it like um how can i take web hooks as sort of the most customizable flexible solution and then layer on top of that like more specific use cases like you know you could even do something like um set up zapier integrations if you want to have like you know, something, when someone pays, it throws something in a Trello board and sends you an email. Like, I don't know. There's all sorts of yeah. interesting use cases there, I think. so. I could definitely see that, you know, with some of those apps, you could throw people in a sales pipeline on, I, I, I assume Salesforce, but there's other like little tools that like that, that are kind of like a Trello board, but they're a sales process. That could definitely be cool to have those integrations in there, at least sometime in the future. It seems like right now you're trying to do the, kind of the the middle ground between the fully handled service but not as flexible and the other extreme which is build it all completely custom and sometimes it might be a little janky because you know you've got to do it all yeah i think the way i think trying to approach it with like webhooks first is going to work out well hopefully because i i feel like that's sort of the foundation for for everything else like everything else can sort of leverage that to do whatever else i need to do Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Rollbar. So here's what Paul, the founder of CircleCI, had to say about one of their favorite features of Rollbar and how it helps them keep things running at CircleCI. Before we used Rollbar, we used a different error tracking service, and we were shopping for a new one. And so we did the the tour and looked at at Rollbar and all of its competitors. And it was was really the feature set of Rollbar that was super impressive and that made us go there. In particular, the people tracking, I think, is is really... uh, it's not just a great feature, but it also kind of speaks our language because we're very focused on making sure that customers are happy. And we want to make sure that we have like an individual understanding of what happens to each customer. So the fact that we're able to click on you know, th- this customer is experiencing a lot of bugs and to be able to follow the, the progression of bugs that they've been experiencing is very important. If we get an email from a customer and the customer says, you know, your your website keeps glitching on me and being able to to go to Rollbar and to say, okay, you know, this individual customer, this is how they're experiencing the site. Because otherwise you, you have to give like an overall state of things and overall things are looking good because if they weren't, we'd be dealing with it. So I've been using Rollbar a lot lately on my SaaS app, Nitpick CI, and loving it. Uh, if you want to check it out, you can head over to rollbar.com slash fullstackradio, and you can use their bootstrap plan for free for 90 days. So check that out, and uh, thanks again to Rollbar for sponsoring Fullstack Radio. So we talked a lot about the product and like the details and why you want to use it. How far along are you? I've seen a couple, I think you did a, a Twitch screencast, and you. I think you teased a, a screenshot. Yeah, it's pretty early. Um, I've been trying really hard to not kind of go into a cave and work on it. I think that's like a mistake that developers make a lot when they're trying to build products is you just go and work on something for six months and then release it and no one knew that you were working on it uh, Mm -hmm. because you didn't do any work to kind of be public about it and share it. Uh, So I was actually kind of getting stressed because I felt like I had already done too much without talking about it. So I sort of like shut down everything related to code and put up this blog post to sort of explain what I was working on and start collecting emails for anyone who's interested in following along with the progress. Yeah. And like you said, the Twitch streaming stuff, my plan is to sort of do some hopefully like a weekly live stream where I'm just like working on some features in the app and just kind of talking through it. 
uh, because my market is going to be mostly developers uh, to start since it's a sort of webhook driven thing. So I'm just trying to do things that other developers will find interesting that'll kind of get them aware of the product and hopefully, you know, some percentage of those people actually have a need for it and it provides some value to them and that'll sort of help me get some initial customers and stuff. That's the plan anyways. So just trying to do as much publicly as possible, which again is like a big reason for for trying out this new format on the podcast where people can sort of follow along with me and you as we're as we're building these things. In terms of like plans regarding, you know, getting it out the door or getting people testing in and stuff, uh, the very, very first thing I want to do is just get it far enough along that I can use it for my course and just kind of try and iron out any kinks there and see if there's any obvious things that I need to add to make it more uh, useful or make it, you know, really usable by anyone except me. So I've spent a lot of time sort of trying to polish uh, the sort of checkout flow because that's the thing that the public is going to see and I'm using Stripe checkout right now which is obviously a really beautiful well done checkout experience and I don't really want to settle for anything worse than what they have so a lot of effort has gone into kind of making that as nice and smooth as it can be and then the back end right now is just like super vanilla bootstrap like I even made a rule where I told myself I'm not allowed to write a single line of CSS for any of the back end stuff because I don't want to waste time on something that's not going to help me you know get uh, this thing out the door so it's kind of embrace those constraints that it provides and yeah so just figure out like well what component from bootstrap can i use for this because i'm not letting myself write anything myself uh so yeah there's enough of a back end where i can go in and create products and specify the price and specify uh the endpoint that they have to hit um so i have to do a little bit of work to get it to a point where i can comfortably uh switch it over to be using it for my course but that's something I hope to be able to have uh, have in place uh, for like next month. So I'll probably have that up with just credit card support, like just Stripe support to start because it's still as good as what I have on the site now. And then uh, start layering in some of these other, uh, other features as I go. So I'm actually going to MicroConf in Vegas in two weeks, which is my first sort of business software sort of conference. So I'm uh, really trying to kind of get this prototype and MVP to a point where I can at least sort of show it to some of the folks there and uh, get their input because it seems like a good opportunity to sort of uh, talk about what I'm working on and see if people have any good ideas for how it could be used or good ideas for, um, you know, places to talk about it or people to show it to. So yeah, right now I'm kind of hacking on uh, just a real basic landing page. Uh, that I can put up so there's at least something at the domain and uh, yeah hopefully a decent enough prototype that I can demo it to uh, whoever is interested in checking it out uh, at this conference. Sounds That sounds good especially getting it out in front of those business people that kind of have their own products it seems like like a lot of those guys will have ebooks and little downloadable things white sheets whatever those are and then you know they've got I assume they have other types of products. That'll be good to get in front of them. Maybe you'll get some people just like, you know, kind of salivating like, oh yes, this is what I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be cool. It'd be awesome to find people who like were interested in using it. But uh, even if I can just find people to sort of uh, bounce ideas off of that have more experience with, uh, you know, getting a SaaS business running that can uh, give me some advice or anything like that. That'll be that'll be great too. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that conference. It should be uh, pretty fun. I've wanted to check it out for a couple years now. So kind of last minute 
uh, me and Steve, uh, who we were talking about, and Taylor, who created Laravel, sort of booked this trip to all go to uh, to MicroConf in Vegas. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It should be pretty fun. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, so, I guess maybe we should uh, start wrapping up. If anybody has, like, uh, feedback for us or anything like that, there's always the comments on the episode at uh, this one will be fullstackradio.com slash 61. So let us know uh, what you think about what we're trying to do with this uh, new format here for a little while. Thanks to Hired and Rollbar for sponsoring the podcast. As always, again, show notes are going to be at fullstackradio.com slash 61. I'll link up this landing page that'll hopefully be done by the time this is released, as well as kind of the blog post where I talked about this in, uh, in more detail. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone. See you next time. Bye.